Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. morning, I pray we can just be still and know that you are God. Be still. Just command stillness into this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord, that your angels are bringing divine order right now. Every thought is brought into captivity into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Father, we put on the helmet of salvation. Why don't you just put it on yourself right now? put on the helmet of salvation. Come on, touch your mind. Touch your mind. Put your hands. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Come on, touch your chest. I put on the belt of truth. I put on the shoes of the gospel. I hold up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I have in my hand the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy in this place. And why don't you just hold up your shields of faith right over your heads right now. We thank you, Lord, that our minds are protected right now from every fiery dart of the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, team. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I want you to just sit for a moment with your eyes closed. Just hold your hands out. You know, if you only for one second could comprehend even one tiny, minute portion of the love that the Father has for you right in this moment you would not be able to sit in that seat. You would fall on the floor. You would cry. You know, Ephesians says, when I think about these things, I fall to my knees. When I think about the love of the Father, I just fall to my knees. I just, I cannot comprehend that a Father so perfect could love me so perfectly in my imperfect state. And yet he does. We thank you, Father. We thank you for fresh revelation this morning of your Father's heart to us. And even though we think we know your Father's heart, this morning I pray that you would open up our minds, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can understand how deep the love of God really is and to experience that love for ourselves. We thank you, Father, that Ephesians 3 would come to fruition in our minds and our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I want to bring you something kind of right from the mother's heart to you today. We've been talking for this whole month about sonship and we're actually carrying into the next month because it's such... Wow, it's such an incredible topic, sons and daughters of God. What does that really mean? 
And what is God trying to say? You know, do you believe that since the beginning of time that God has been slowly trying to reveal himself to mankind? That it's been an outworking of himself over many, 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 many years where he's trying to reveal his true self to people. But us in our humanity, we can only take so much of who God really is because, you know, we, we, we have these limitations But one day the Bible says we'll stand before him. We'll stand before him and we'll see him as he actually is. And the word of God says, and we will be like him. We'll stand before him and we'll look at him like an image of ourselves. And we'll know this father, this one, this one who has always been with me, this perfection of love. And we'll be able to not just see it and experience it, but we'll be actually able to receive it. Because I think that we spend our whole lives, you know, from the time we, even before we're Christians, we spend our whole lives with God trying to reveal this love to us and us trying to understand it. And it's not that God's love isn't amazing, that there's so much that he wants to pour out on us. We are the limitation. We are the ones that can't receive. We are the ones that put restrictions on that love and God so much once this morning for some restrictions, some limitations to be taken off, some, some strongholds to be removed, some handbrakes to be released, that we can actually step into just a little bit closer walk with Him, you know, just a closer walk with Thee. Every day coming closer to Him and Him revealing His heart to us. I love this scripture in Romans 8, and I'm going to read it from verse 14 to 23, and it'll come up on the screen. This is from the the Passion Translation. I love it. And let's read it slowly and really take this in. The mature children of God. Put up your hand this morning if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to know him, really. But put up your hand high if you know him. And would you call yourself a mature child of God this morning? Put up your other hand. So there's about 90% of you that are not mature this morning. So we, we need to do new Christians class. No, put up your hand if you feel like you're a mature child of God. So the Bible says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is here this morning. And there's an impulse of the Holy Spirit that he wants to bring to you this morning. And we are supposed to be moved by that impulse. When we come into church, we don't come into church to sing some songs, listen to a message and go home. But we come to church to be moved by an impulse of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit has something on his mind this morning? The Holy Spirit has something that he wants to say to you this morning. And we're moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. Say that with me. 
for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. Now keep reading through with me because you're going away, you're going to sleep. I can see you all going, hmm, I wonder what's for lunch. And like just stay tuned in. Let's read that from that place. It says, we'll go from, and you will never feel orphaned. You ready? All together. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real. Is the, is the words up there? Are we all saying it together? It is now, is it? Okay. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. I am convinced... Is it not up there anymore? Okay, I'll, I'll read it from there so I got the same space as you. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled. Yeah. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling. Just hold that one there. The entire universe right now just change to a major key. Yeah. The entire universe right now is standing on tiptoe. Can you imagine that? The trees right now are standing on tiptoe. Another translation says the whole of creation groans as in pains of childbirth. All of creation is groaning for what? The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Read it with me. Yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Do you know, when we get who we are, when we understand who we are, everything gets released. And God has been working since the beginning of time, slowly unveiling himself to his sons and daughters so that there would come a day when we would be revealed and all of creation will be set free to be revealed with us as the sons and daughters of God. Just holding it there for one moment on that scripture. Do you realize right now there, you know, we look at the news, we look at things that are happening, we look at the degradation of society, we look how things are going downhill so fast. And do you think that God would sit in heaven and not have a plan? Do you think right now there is no plan that God has for creation, for, for his church? Do you think that it's going to be, oh, well, the church, you know, they kind of just bummed out and Satan won? And, you know, they were kind of, in, you know, in, not powerful. They were insipid in their power. They, they didn't understand that. Do you think God has not got a plan? The plan that God has for the days that we live in right now is that we would understand our authority, our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. And the whole of creation is on tiptoes waiting for that moment. 
God is on tiptoes waiting for that moment. The whole of heaven, the great cloud of witnesses is waiting for that moment when we will finally get it in our heads that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we have all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us, that every place that we place our feet belongs to us as sons and daughters of God, that the whole inheritance of heaven is waiting for us. That because we walk around with an orphan spirit, because we walk around, I don't deserve that. God doesn't really love me that much. We've got rejection. We've got all these things on us. We can't receive it. We can't step into it. And so the whole world, the whole of creation, the whole of heaven is waiting in anticipation for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. Do you think God's just going to go, well, I'm just going to lift a big veil off and there's all my sons and daughters going, here we are, we're here to save the day. No, it's us. It's us. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to take that step. He's waiting for us to realise how much we're loved. He's waiting for us to be healed and restored and redeemed and position ourselves to be the true sons and daughters of God. Let's go on. That's so powerful, that scripture. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty fertility resulting. Are we reading? Resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, everybody say, but now. With eager expectation. All creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. The wonderful freedom that's going to come to God's children. Amen. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just the next part up there. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation. As if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We, who are already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit are inwardly grown. We inwardly groan. Also, we are inwardly groaning. You know, you have to listen to your inner spirit. You've got to listen to your inner man, to your inner spirit. And if you right now were to tune in to the frequency of heaven, there would be a groan that would be rising up inside of you. And it's a groan that is saying, I need to recognize who I am as a son and daughter of God. I need to know. It's the groan of the Father. It's the groan of creation. It's the groan within you all coming into harmony, into a beautiful sound where God is about to reveal his sons and daughters. And the groan will be this. There's an emptiness inside of me. There's, 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 There's things inside of me that make me, you know, put up my hand and keep Jesus at a distance. There's something inside me that stops me being close to him. There's a groan inside. As we passionately long to experience, listen, our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. Now, that would be a good day. All of those who are constantly on diets like myself, I'm looking for that day when my body will be transformed. But in the meantime, God wants to bring us to full status. As children of God, you know, there was a day when, you know, in in Genesis, it says that Adam and Eve walked with God. They walked with God in the garden. Every day they were talking with him. There was an intimate relationship 
with God. So Pastor Willie, can you come up here and maybe Evan and just, can you just walk along and just talk to Evan? Maybe we need an Eve as well. So Jesse, can you be Eve just before the, the first child? Jelly, can you be an Eve because Jesse's pregnant? Oh, no, no, you're just Adam. Sorry, you could, be, you could be promoted in time, but at the moment, you're just Adam. And there's Father God. Can you, Father God, can you stand in the middle of them? Because I think... Now, they would just be walking in the garden, just walking and just chatting. And he'd be talking to them face to face and they'd be sharing and he'd be pointing to the, you know, the trees and this is what you can eat, this is what you can't eat. This is, look at the birds I've made for you. Look at all I've given you. You know, they're looking into his eyes. They're in relationship. This is how it was in the garden. And then one day, Adam and Eve decided to come down here, Adam and Eve, and they decided to, while God was not in the picture for the moment, God was out of the picture for that, they decided to eat from the tree which gave, opened their eyes to what? The knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't your fault, Eve, by the way. I just, anyway, that's not that topic for today. But the knowledge of good and evil. So God says, don't eat of that tree. Because if you do, your eyes will be open to the knowledge of good and evil. So your eyes got open to the knowledge of good and evil. There you are. And then you realized. <laughs> yes, you did. That you were naked. And so they went and hid behind a tree. They went and hid behind a tree and they started to cover themselves with fig leaves. And then God walks out. Of course, knowing full well what has happened, God comes and he goes, where are you? Where are you? You can talk, sorry. God has a voice. Where are you? <laughs> this is a drama. We're making a drama. God says, where are you? And, um, and they're hiding. We're hiding. And he goes, why are you hiding from me? And they go, you know, because we're naked and we're ashamed. We're naked and we're ashamed. You see, when you talk about the nakedness that they had, you're not just talking about physical. They didn't have clothes on. The nakedness there says that they were emotionally, spiritually, and physically transparent before God. And when their eyes were open to the knowledge of good and evil, they suddenly realized, I can't be transparent with God anymore because now I've seen things I shouldn't have seen. I've heard things I shouldn't have seen. And there is a separation between me and God because He is pure and He is holy and I no longer am. And I need to hide from Him. I need to cover myself up and not be near God. This is what happened in the garden. And so God, because of his holiness, if he would have come near them, if he would have had relationship with them, because of his purity, because of his holiness, they would have dropped dead. And so he had to say to them, basically, he had to say, you were my son and daughter, but for a period of time, you can't be that anymore. And so I need to walk away from you. And I need to keep myself at a distance so that you don't die in my presence. And I need to send you out of the garden until I can work a plan into place to bring you back. What they lost that day, it wasn't about sin. and It was separation from the Father. That day in the garden, they lost their sonship. 
They lost their status as children of God. Thank you, children of God. And please come out and clothe yourselves quickly. You see? And so God, in the, all through the Old Testament, God is trying to reveal himself, but they don't get it. They don't get it because there's now... There's something between them. Now there's this space where I can no longer be transparent with you, God. And so the priest has to go in and offer sins for the people. And, you know, if he's not right, he's going to drop dead because it's the very presence of God is so beautiful and so pure. And there's no space where man can meet with God again, except for prophets and priests and kings. And there's no space where, where man can meet with God. And there was the occasional Moses that was, you know, where he met with God, but he still couldn't look at God. He still couldn't, you know, let me see your glory. I can show you my backside, Moses, but if I look at you, you'll drop dead. So what I've got to do is I've got to restore what is in this garden. I need to restore the sonship, the family the relationship for the very reason I created you. And therefore, I need to send a saviour. But it can't be just any saviour. He has to be a son. Because to get my son and daughter back, I've got to go and send a son who will be perfect, who I can look upon, who will not sin, who will be a sacrifice for all time, so that I can again embrace my children. And we know that Jesus hung on the cross, amen? I mean, let's go back before that. What about at his baptism? You know, he's been, he's been incognito for 30 years. He goes into the wilderness. He knows he's tried and he's tested. And in the baptism, he stands and he says to John, I have to do this. John knows who he is. You can't do this. I have to do this. I have to fulfill all the requirements of a son or a daughter and I have to come up with roses. I can't sin. I can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I must only eat of the tree of life and replace what happened in that garden. I have to replace what happened in that garden. Now, you know, at his baptism, we know that the sky opens and that a voice comes from heaven. And what does he say? This is my, this is my, everybody say it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to the way he talks. Listen, watch the way he walks through the streets. Watch the way he loves people. Watch the way that he loves his father. Watch the way he draws away to be with his father. Watch the relationship that he has. Because what God was doing was modeling what we could have had all along if we hadn't walked away from it. He was modeling the son and the father and the Holy Spirit relationship, which is the family of God. He was modeling what we can have with our father. He was modeling who we could be on the earth if we were just like Jesus. Amen. Such a big message. Such a big message. Such a big message. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus came to restore sonship to us. He came as a son to reveal the Father 
and restore all right relationships. See, through the Son, all relationships are restored. Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 says this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. This is Jesus. No one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son will reveal, wills to reveal Him. So He knows the Father. The Father knows the Son. They have this incredible relationship going between them. And He's coming to earth and He's saying, See who I am? I'm the Son like you were. I'm the second Adam. I've come as the son that you could have been and you will be again. If you believe in me, you will be born again. You will be restored and you will be restored into full sonship. And I will come and I will heal you. And I'll bring revelation and redemption to you. And I will reveal the Father to you. Jesus' whole, if you you read the New Testament, everything that he did, was to reveal the true Father's heart. I mean, the Old Testament, you know, God was scary. Stay away from God. He'll kill you. He's got it pointing a finger at you. In the New Testament, he's saying, no, no, my Father's right here. My Father's with us. My Father's here with us. Amen. <clears throat> John 5, 19 to 20 says this, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. It was amazing when the disciples came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, how should we pray? And the first thing Jesus says, the first thing he wants to reveal, how do you pray? Not, oh, scary God. Oh, God is watching us from a distance. Oh, Holy One, don't strike me down if I come close to you. He taught us to pray like this. Our Father. Do you notice he didn't say my Father? He didn't say pray my Father. He said pray our Father. Because he's not just trying to establish a relationship with Father. He's trying to establish a family. And if you look at that, that scripture, our Father, let's say it together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen to this, give us, not me, give us this day, us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen what Jesus came was to restore family so all of a sudden it's not just me that's important it's not in this age day and age that way it's all about me 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 give me give me give me give me give me Or we come to church and we remain in our orphan spirit, sitting alone and not connecting. But when I pray something like, our Father, our Father, you know, it's mine and your Father. We're praying, it's our Father, it's our Father. It's our Father, it's our Father, it's our Father. And then when I'm praying, give us this day 
give us this our daily bread. I'm not just concerned whether I get food and I get provision. All of a sudden, it's about us. Give us this day our daily bread. It's about us. And forgive us our sins. Oh, I don't sin. No, I know Nathan does, but, you know, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll send him to Phil and Fleur and he'll be fine. You know? Yeah. But that's right. He came out of that womb and he lives there. But give us, give, forgive us our sin. So if my brother is sinning, then I'm going to identify with him and I'm going to call it my sin. Because if he's hurting, it's my pain. If he's in joy, it's, it's my joy. Give us this day. So it's about family. It's about restoration. It's about the father's heart to his children. It's such a beautiful thing. So all of a sudden we turn up at church, not just because I want to get something. I'm turning up to church because the person next to me is important. It's to us. We're in this together. We're all seeking our Father together. We're a family. And we need to change the whole mindset. The church is an institution where you come and pay your dues and get something for yourself and go home. You know, it'll change the way that you think about church because you wake up in the morning and you go, I don't, I don't feel like going to church today. But when I think about us, I go, yeah, but I get to sit next to Meg and, and eat Megan Edmonds food because it's us. And I'm, and I'm going to, I may not feel like going to church, but once I sit next to John, I'm going to feel like I'm, I need to be in church because it's us. It's my family. I need to connect with my family and I need to, we need to seek our Father together. So then when we're worshiping, it's not like, you know, throwing up some worship. It's in us. It's like a sound. It's like a sound of the, the family going up to God. It's an us prayer. It's so fantastic. Um, that's all right now. Thanks, Rich. Thank you so much. My brother, I want to tell you this story. My brother, um, I call him my brother because uh, he is my brother. But he's not by blood. So there are six children in our family and the youngest... His name is David. And we were all like dark-haired and, you know, look like me kind of family. And then one day my mom was at a hospital taking one of us to hospital and there was a little red-haired freckled boy sitting next to her on the chair. And my mom's got the biggest heart, you know, she would always bring strays home. And, and this little boy just kept creeping up the seat next to her and snuggling into her. And she goes, oh, okay. And she put her arm around this little boy. And, and she heard the voice of the Lord say to her, take him home, it's your son. And she went, well, that's crazy, that's ridiculous. And then the lady came out that was his carer and she said, how in the heck did you get him to do that? This little boy, he hates people. He bashes people. He is really messed up. We don't even know how to control him. He's from an orphanage. He was, he was abandoned by his parents when he was like 18 months old. He was beat to a pulp so much that his hair fell out from the stress of being beaten. He was separated from his sister. She was three. He was 18 months. And ever since, uh, then he got meningitis and became completely deaf. And ever since, he sat in a corner. He's still in nappies. He's three years old. He sits in a corner. He hits anyone that comes near him. He, he won't get up early enough to get dressed so all the other kids get clothes and he never does. He just always has a nappy because he's the last one out of bed because he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to eat. 
He doesn't want to drink. He just is in this orphanage with all these kids and um, he's an orphan. And so my mum says, well, actually, it's my son. And the lady said, are you, are you crazy? Like, I'm telling you, this kid's mad. Like, he will destroy your home. He will beat you up. He will, he, you can't get this kid to function. He's like an animal. And mum said, yeah, but he's my son. So we went on this whole trip where we did everything we could, my mother did, to get David. They kept ringing up and saying, yeah, but he doesn't look like you. And she said, look, love, you're never going to make him look like me, but I tell you, he looks like me in my heart and you need to give him to me. Who else is going to want him? You know, like, for goodness sake, just give me this kid. It was about a year they fought to get David because the institution had all this red tape and, um, and the mother had disappeared so there was no papers that they could sign and, he was, you know, it was just a whole, a whole hassle. I remember the day that they said, yes, you can have David and... They packed up one tiny little brown suitcase and they gave it to him. That was all the belongings that he had. It was a tiny little brown thing. And he came to our house in a bus. He had these big hearing aids on. They just, they were always doing that. He hated them and he had these big ears and red hair, red freckles. He's three-year-old. And he, and he just walked into our house with his mouth open like he'd never had a home. He'd never had a family before. And he just walks in. And my mom that day had gone shopping with the money that the welfare had given her and bought him clothes and bought him shoes. And so his bed was like a rollaway bed from one of our beds because there were so many of our, us kids. And mum gave him his own little wardrobe with his own clothes and she took him in there and showed him the clothes like, they're yours. And he's just like, he just couldn't believe, couldn't speak, by the way. He couldn't even make a sound. He was deaf and dumb. And um, that night... We put him into bed and, oh, you should have seen the way he ate dinner. I mean, he was pinching all the peas off everybody's plates. I mean, we hated peas, so it's like, have all our peas. And he's just eating all our peas. He's just gobbling them like he'd never seen, like, healthy food. And then we put him to bed that night and mum kissed him and prayed for him and, you know, it's tough. And we woke up the next morning and he was sort of laying all weird and all wobbly and his bed was a lot higher than it used to be. And we looked in the wardrobe, he was empty. And every part, piece of clothing that mum had bought him was under his mattress. Shoes, everything. Because he was scared he was going to wake up in the morning and the other kids in the orphanage would steal it and it wouldn't be his. Do you know, today, and I mean, we went through so much stuff with him and I loved that. We loved him like he was family. We, all us kids would do, you know, speech therapy with him, trying to get him to speak every day. We'd spend hours and hours, you know, doing stuff like up, pull, up, pull, you know, trying to make him say noises, but he'd just go, because he didn't understand what noise was or what it sounded like. And then one day, we were running around the house, around the yard, chasing him, chasing him around the yard, and all of a sudden, out of his little mouth, ha, 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 and the first sound he ever made was a laugh. And we were all just crying. The whole family was like crying because he's made a laugh. He laughed. He can, he can speak. He's not dumb. And, you know, and we just worked so hard with him. Mum put him in special school. She went, she just poured her heart. We all poured our hearts into him. But, you know, no matter what we did, no matter what we tried to do, we could never get David to accept that he was our family. Because he had an orphan spirit and he chose to keep that orphan spirit 
And today he's 40, 45 today. He lives alone in Gosford, has no friends, has rejected the whole family. In fact, threatens to kill us if we come near him. He's been in and out of jail. He's been in and out of mental institutions. And he doesn't want anything to do with the family. And he wasn't even there when my mother died because he just couldn't accept that this is my mother. You know, that's what it's like when God, almighty God, is trying to reach out to you. And, and, and he's trying to say to you, I love you with all my heart. Everything I have is yours. Like all the clothes in that wardrobe, they're yours. You, you don't have to worry that someone's going to steal them. You don't have to. Everything is yours that I have. I have a whole resource of heaven waiting for you. I have all the love that you could possibly have. But we have this thing in us. You know, whether it's from, you know, Adam, you know, where we, we have that loss of sonship in the garden or whether it is from our own parenting, our own fathering, where we've just been disappointed and discouraged and we, we judge God by that, by that thing there. You know, it's so important that we allow him to come in, that we allow him to come in. There's, there's so much more I wanted to, to, to go into today, but I'm not going to. I'm going to save that for another time because I think it's just, you know, we were going to do that whole going through that test and have a look. I want to do that the next time I preach because there's so much I want to bring to you. But I just want to look at this story. And it's, we call it the story of the prodigal son. But it's actually called the story of the loving father. That's actually the true title of it, the story of the loving father. We call it the story of the prodigal son because we focus on the prodigal son. God's trying to focus on the father. Or it can be called the story of two sons. And we know that Jesus spoke in parables. We know that he spoke in stories. But in those stories, he was trying to relate to us a reality. So I want you to hear yourself in this. And whether you're a male or female, I want you to hear yourself in one of these two sons or one of these two children within this story. And I want you to hear the heart of a father who wants to connect with you but has to let you do your own thing until you're ready to come to him. It says, Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? Don't you think it's time, Father, for you to give me salvation? I'll have salvation and I'll just run with that salvation and I'll just take that and I'll... I'll just squander it. I'll just, what you've given me, I don't understand it. I have no comprehension of the price that you've paid for this inheritance that I'm asking for. I have no comprehension of that, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to squander it. And it says, so the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled to to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in the land. You know, you get to that place where there's a groan, where there's a severe famine inside of you. And you may even be coming to church, but you still have this son that's reckless and not really understanding the inheritance that he's been given. 
And so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realised that he was what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers, listen to the words that he used, there are many workers in my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why, why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to call you, be called your son. How many of you felt like that over and over and over and over and over again? You know, you fall, you sin, you make a mistake, you think the wrong thing, you say the wrong thing, you watch the wrong thing, and all of a sudden you just go, I'll never be worthy to be his son. I just will never be worthy to be his daughter. And so he says, Father, please, Father, treat me like one of your employees. It, the true translation of that, treat me like one of your slaves. I'll just be a servant. I'll be a slave in the house of God. You know, when we turn up to church, we do what we can on team. And many of the time it's from an orphan spirit. It's from a slave mentality. It's just, I'll do whatever I need to do, but I'll never feel worthy of being a son or having true inheritance in the house of God. And he says, so the young man set off home. For a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. And so the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him all over with tender love. And then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son, just let me be. And he never even got the words out. And the father interrupted and said, son, you've got it. You've got the revelation, son. You're home. You've come to me. But let me really show you what I could have given you in the inheritance that you thought you had to steal from me, in the inheritance that you thought, that, that wasn't worth anything and the price that has been paid for that. But let me really show you what I have for you. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe. It's the robe of righteousness around his shoulders. And I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the re ring, the seal of sonship. You know, the ring says that you will do business in your father's name. If he stamped that on anything, it means that he is in my authority and he can do business in my father's name. So he was giving him true authority. And I'll put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. You know, it was a slave never wore shoes. But as soon as he said, put shoes on his feet, he was saying, this is not a slave. This is not a servant. This is my son. Put shoes on his feet. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Now the older son, everybody say the older son. Son number two. 
was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. And the son said, father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave? How many years have I been working like a slave for you? Not how many years have I been your son. He didn't even have a revelation of sonship either. But he had a revelation of being a slave and working and, and slogging his guts out. And, you know, if I be on the worship team, if I be on the door, if I do this, if I do that, then, you know, maybe then, you know, God, he's going to notice me, this old man. And, you know, but this, this is incredible. He says, I've performed every duty you've asked me. I've been faithful, a faithful son. I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once you've ever given me a goat that I could feast and celebrate with my friends as he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He's come back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. And the father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have, it's always been yours. This has always been yours, but you never had a mentality where you could receive it as a son. You had a slave mentality where you felt you had to work for everything and you were never good enough. Both sons didn't feel worthy of the father's love. Both sons were like my brother David. who No, how much, no matter how much we poured love at him, he, could, he always had an orphan spirit. He never stepped into sonship. He never stepped into family. It's only right to celebrate like this because we are overjoyed. My son was lost and now he's found. You know, this Romans 8, 14 to 17, I'm nearly finished. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we have not received a spirit of slavery leading us to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. I just wonder if we could all just stand for a moment in his presence. And just for, a f- just for, for one song, I'm going to play this song so the worship team can be part of this as well, but just for this one song, I wonder if no one could move. No, don't go to the cafe yet, Megan Edmund, please. Just... Everyone come back. Everyone come back. This is about us as a family. You've got time for cafe. Thank you, Lord. I just wonder if we could just stand. We just dim these lights down. And right now I'm just going to ask, Father, would you speak? Close your eyes. Would you speak to those parts of our heart, God, that we still feel like we've, you know, we're putting stop signs up. We still haven't got the revelation. Father, will you come and begin to take us on a journey of healing and restoration through your Holy Spirit and empower us to see you as you really are. Remove the veil from our eyes. Remove the strongholds from our lives and reveal the Father's love to us in Jesus' name. Let's just, no one moving. Just stop. Let's just listen to this song just for three minutes. 
If you want to sit, stand, you can. If you want to come on the altar, you can. I'm just going to believe that God's going to begin. This is the beginning of a journey, everyone. It's the beginning of a journey. Just see what Father says to you today. Just one area of your life. Take me by the hand Walk with me by quiet streams I need to hear the wind Feel the ground beneath my feet Cause you're the only friend Oh
bring us close to you. Why don't you just pray a prayer right from your heart right now. God, reveal yourself to us, Father God. We've known Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. We've known Holy Spirit. But Lord, reveal the Father to us. Reveal the Father to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Take us on a journey, Father. Lead us by your Spirit in Jesus' name. And I just want to read that scripture to you to close. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Father, I thank you that this week you will reveal more and more to us that we are your beloved children. And I'd really like next week to just finish this message that I had this morning because there's an upside to it. I'd really like to take you through about 20 points of what it looks like to have an orphan spirit, what it looks like to have a spirit of sonship so we can actually see, well, that's a little bit of that in me and I need to step over to that side of the scale. And with the Holy Spirit's help, he's going to take us on this journey next week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's